Basically, the idea is that by making our own product more modular and really embrace apps full on, that we're also helping our customers and partners, whether you're you know, individual developers or digital teams of large enterprises, kind of treat these apps as first-class citizens. I just remember the old days when I was editing YAML files where people were putting semicolons where they don't belong and the builds were broken and all these kind of things. We've all been there. The whole headless movement just becomes so convenient from a developer perspective, and I'm really enjoying that still. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss the Jamstack, a new way of building websites and apps that are fast, secure, and simple to work with. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. Welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line, we've got two guests from Contentful. We've got Stefan Judas and Paul Biggs. Stefan, welcome back. Hey, hi, Brian. Uh, happy to be back. That's very exciting. Yeah, yeah. It's been quite a few episodes since Contentful came on and chatted, uh, you and Ruben. But also, Paul, it's actually probably been as many years that you've been at Contentful since the last podcast. But do you want to introduce yourself for folks? Yeah, definitely. Uh, glad to be here, actually. And I'll, I'll have to jokingly say you'll have to be gentle on me because this is actually my first podcast. <laughs> I've done plenty of webinars and videos and all that kind of thing. But this is the first podcast, so I'll, I'll dip my toes in lightly. But yeah, I, I moved to Berlin from Portland, Oregon. Uh, I think there's actually an underground tunnel between the two cities because they both keep it pretty weird. And uh, moved to Berlin to work at Contentful. And I've been there, like I said, for like three and a half years. And it's been quite a wild ride hanging out with Stefan as he's been doing his magic. I'd imagine like a nice Eurostar across the US that goes under the Atlantic and then eventually to Berlin. <laughs> the, the quick way. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the day when, when they figured out trains back in the United States. Yeah, I know Elon <laughs> listens to this podcast. Uh, so Elon, if you are going to make that tunnel, uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty boring. But Stefan, do you want to introduce yourself for folks who maybe didn't listen to the first episode when you all came on? Yeah, I'm Stefan. I do web dev stuff all around the Jamstack, recent uh, web technology, and I'm part of the developer relations team at Contentful. Short and sweet. Excellent. And I feel like I should probably pull up the episode number because I've referenced it twice. So episode 16, for anybody who, who cares to go and listen to that first episode, it was like, I had known a Contentful, and like the joke that I made on that episode was the fact that I rebuilt, I built Contentful at a previous employer, which was essentially, I just needed to take a, a Google Sheet, get it onto our marketing page. And so I created all these interactions and the SDK and everything like that. Because like at the time, as a pretty junior engineer, I thought I should build everything, you know, to prove a point. And then in the meeting, one of the senior engineers was like, hey, this is really cool, but why not use Contentful? And I was like, Content who? <laughs> so a year later, I had you on the podcast and we, we talked about that. But y'all have been really doing a lot since we chatted about over three years ago. There's a couple things that shipped recently, but first, what is Contentful for folks who are interested? Maybe be outside the Jamstack and weren't aware of this awesome tool. Contentful is a content platform that has an API as, as its core, which means that from a developer perspective, you can use any technology that you like that is able to make HTTP requests. And then we offer an editor interface for the people to basically edit and manage all the content that's coming in. And in the context of Jamstack Radio, that just means hook up your static site generator, um, user-friendly interface for the people that usually bug you um, to make updates on your website and then consume the APIs and build for the Jamstack. Yeah, and it's a beautiful experience too as well. Like 
we've got Gatsby Contentful plugins as well. So like if you are a whiz at getting stuff on the screen and the right kind of purple, whatever your expertise is, animations, you don't have to be that person to say like, ah, you know, copy change, or we changed the name of this product. Can you change it on these 70 files on the web page? It's like, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Y'all just keep the name the same. No, like now you can actually, don't, you'd have to push back. You can just literally hand over the CMS to somebody and say, okay, product team member, you changed the name once and now it's sort of updated where it needs to be updated, uh, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think it's funny because, you know, when you talk about giving the control back to folks other than developers, there's, you know, when, when I first got to Contentful and people were, you know, kind of onboarding this concept of headless CMS, there was like the first question the business users asked was, wait, it's headless. So what do I touch? Is this just a developer tool? Like, no, no, no. Headless refers to a completely different part of this. You still get all the tools you know and love, but the developers also don't have to deal with all of your code and CSS hacks in the content that they then have to deal with. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it truly is. I just remember the old days when I was editing YAML files where people were putting semicolons where they don't belong and the builds were broken and all these kind of things. We've all been there with the whole headless movement just becomes so convenient from a developer perspective. And I'm really enjoying that still. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying it as well. Like I, What I love about the Jamstack, and I think everybody who listens to this podcast knows this about me, like I am a serial, I have an idea. I literally just picked up a URL today called socialcarding.com because I want to build social cards and have a, a site for it. I'm not sure why that wasn't taken, but Essentially, that's my idea. I want to be able to sort of generate that from the open graph. I guess we call it domain-driven development. Like, I have an idea. I want to stand something up really quickly. I don't want to manage a database. So, like, I'm going to pull a contentful into the mix and say, you know, if the idea changes or if I need a new front end, like, I don't need to sort of like destroy what I've created or like basically walk away from it. I can actually keep that project alive and running because the data is it's consistent and it could be leveraged in so many different ways. How many domains do we own? <laughs> so I unfortunately had to get rid of like five. <laughs> there were just five names that I had just had to basically say, you know, this is not going to happen. But honestly, I think I'm like in the 30s. It's not that bad. Yeah, I'm on 15 or something. Yeah. Yeah. I do have a conscience, like when I do pay the bill once a year, I'm like, mm. was this really worth the $55 for this, like, you know, dot pizza domain that I never used? <laughs> but it's so exciting when you purchase it. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, the real question is like, what do they say? What's tired is how many domains do you own? What's wired is how much have you sold one for? Uh. That's the real question. Because <laughs> last last year, I actually sold one of my domains for 5000 bucks. What? No way. I was pretty happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had like 30 or 40. And it was an old project that I had shuttered called Closing the Divide because I came from the nonprofit sector. And one of the things I was looking at was like starting a nonprofit that helped bring internet to you know third world countries. And so I had this domain that I was just sitting on not using and someone reached out and they still haven't done anything with it yet, but I was happy to partake in my first domain sale for a pretty whopping sum. Wow, that's amazing. And like um I'm blanking it. Brian LaRoe was on for talking about begin and the sort of like serverless making serverless lambdas easy. And uh, the way they got begin.com Everybody go listen to that episode, episode 73. How they got begin.com was like a really interesting story. And it sounds like maybe someone reached out to you in a similar fashion. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. 30 domains. I guess <laughs> I guess I've doubled Stefan. We're really going on a tangent here. But if anybody wants to know, inbreadable.club 
if you want that domain, it's now free and ready to take. <laughs> because <laughs> good to know, <laughs> incredible. There's a reason yeah. it's free. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought I was going to make a uh, a bread site. I figured everybody's like putting pictures of bread on the internet. I can make a quick uh, landing page and. Uh, Encourage people to post their bread pictures. <laughs> Sourdough <laughs> pics from the pandemic, man. You would have it would have been the next Instagram if you'd done that. It would have killed, yeah. But you know, out of all things, all the great ideas, you know, you still have enough time for all of them. So I'm sure that's worth five thousand dollars. But y'all can pick it up for free. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we didn't come here to talk about my failed bread startup. <laughs> I wanted to actually. I brought you on because I saw an article about some new tools that came out of Contentful. I guess they're like sister tools combined, like. Compose and launch. So, can you explain like what that is and like how that is fit in the strategy of like Contentful? So, really, what's exciting about these apps to me is this marks a change in Contentful's approach to providing tools. So, about uh, February 2020, so uh, just over a year ago, we launched this new set of tools called the App Framework, and over time that set of tools that has grown, but it encompasses everything from our open source design system called Forma 36. We've open sourced our field editors in our in our web app so that you can enter content from whatever kind of app you want to build. We released UIs for our, our apps, sorry, uh, SDK for our app UI. You know, we let you customize our SaaS application in all sorts of ways and offer hooks into our system for third-party services, but we were just giving that to our customers and partners to build apps. What these represent is we're starting to, depending on how you want to look at it, eat our own dog food or drink our own champagne, depending on which, which of those uh, analogies you're more comfortable with. But we're starting to now build apps, just like our partners and customers, that rely to some degree on our app framework, but not entirely. There are, there are first-class citizens like our kind of core web application. So they're a little higher level than our apps, than the custom apps our developer community is building. But basically, the idea is that by making our own product more modular and really embrace apps full-on, they're also helping our customers and partners, whether you're you know, individual developers or you know, digital teams or large enterprises, kind of treat these apps as first-class citizens. And now that we've released our own, A, they're really helping editors who sit on top of of our platform, but also show their customers and partners how to do it. So it's kind of like a, a, this launch represents two things. One, a new way of building things on top of Contentful, but two, also making our platform a lot more easy for editors to use with a very specific tool. So Compose is built explicitly for web content because you can imagine a platform like Contentful is like a buffet, right? You go to this buffet and you can do anything you want with it. You can grab the gummy bears and your tuna fish. And if that's the website you want to build, boom, you've got that. But if you're a bigger team that wants to get moving fast, you need something a little more prescriptive and or just a single channel like web. And so that's where Compose really shines yeah. because it gives your, your content team not this buffet approach to content and building out a site, but a chef's tasting menu of, oh, here's a place where you enter your SEO metadata. And oh, over on the sidebar, you actually can start to see a page structure. Yeah. And it's not just this kind of atomic structured content assembly process, which is what a lot of you know the system looked like before, but now it's a specific web channel building tool. So it's a really interesting thing where Contentful is taking an opinionated stance on how editors and developers collaborate together on a web page, as opposed to going to a buffet together and trying to sort out who gets the tuna fish and who gets the gummy bears. Yeah. yeah. And I love that because like, so the app I, I built at my 
couple companies ago that I was I didn't know I was rebuilding Contentful, but <laughs> that was an app where the data was really where the the magic was, and that's why we wanted to make sure the data was accessible and could be entered by anybody on the marketing side. It was a actually so the app was an aggregate of boot camps because we were a boot camp online boot camp. We wanted to basically have a nice comparison of like what's out there, but also keep tabs of what everybody else is wants and and what they're looking for as far as feature sets of uh, you know learning how to code. So it was like our competitive edge is have this platform. There's been quite a few other people who have shipped something very similar since then uh, successfully. But I bring that up because that same data could have been built as like another thing here, there, wherever. So like being able to sort of have that compose components together, it seems pretty powerful to be like, hey, you know what, this project maybe failed, but like we can sort of continue the banter or continue the torch, pass the torch down to be like, it's funny because I was joking that this podcast, I, I named it internally Contentful 2 because you guys have been on here twice. But that's kind of how I do my projects. Like Open Sourced mm-hmm. is a project I still maintain, but it had a different name. And I sort of migrated that idea into another project and built rebuilt it using React and uh, all these new cutting edge technologies, which is like, all I want to do is don't, don't kill the project completely. Like, let's see if we can sort of like salvage this portion of it. Yeah, I think it's to point out here that these kind of apps are additions to the the existing editor interface. So the beauty of Contentful was always that you define the content pieces on the fly. Yeah, that was always what I absolutely loved about the thing. I need an author, I need a book, I need a recipe. I create a content type, a structure, define the structure that I have, and then I can just query it back. What we have seen is that there are a lot of people that are particularly building for the web. And this is now, uh, so Compose is our opinionated approach for that, because we've seen a lot of people that come up with their own similar, but not always quite the same solutions to build landing pages or to deal with, as Paul said, SEO metadata. And then you have all these floating pieces around different types because people (laughs) reinvent the wheel anyways. They just uh, go with that. And Compose is now this really opinionated, structured approach. Hey, this is how you build pages for the web, which then speeds up everybody on the fl- in the process. And it's a quite beautiful approach to speed everything up. Yeah, that's excellent. So, like with these component steps too, as well. Like, is this like more of a concept of like WordPress, their CMS, and having plugins or different access to data? Is that the correct comparison? So it looks a little bit, probably a little bit closer to what WordPress users are used to see in front of them, Yeah, which makes the whole thing a little bit more familiar. Um, because especially with this content type component architecture, people don't necessarily understand that they have to start their journey at a landing page, then go to a different entry, which is maybe Zeo data, which maybe references something else and maybe references something else. With Compose, we're also taking the opportunity to kind of flatten this whole structure. So even when people and developers are interacting acting with, let's say, five different entries of completely different type, the interface is flattened so that it feels like one thing, which then removes a little bit of friction. So it's it's two sides here, right? From a, from a data perspective, it's still everything is reusable, still everything is nicely um, decoupled and split and queryable if I want to in pieces. But for the editing experience, it feels like this one page, which uh, is built for the web use case. And that's where the beauty comes into it. Excellent. So what what are some like examples that you've seen? I guess you're using this to sort of use examples to encourage your integrators and customers and stuff like that. So like what are examples of people using this uh, today? Well, we just had a couple uh, folks that are customer. We just had blueprints um, or one of our annual conferences happened last week. And then again, the North American version last week. And then on Thursday, our EMEA version of it. And we had a couple of our customers stand up and talk about it. So Huge is, you know, a great agency based out of Brooklyn, but obviously now global. That's in the process of, I don't know if they've launched it 
now or about to their new their new website using Compose and had a number of agency partners who have really scooped this up because it lets them essentially build these really data-driven, cool, dynamic websites, but still give the editors at their client side a very straightforward kind of content curation and editorial process to you know add new pages and add new landing pages and launch new campaigns. So we see a ton of agencies, you know, like another uh, Kin and Carta was another agency um, that's a big partner of ours that talked about some some projects they've been working on with Compose. And since it launched, let's say three weeks ago, we're still waiting to see what customers will build. But the agency that I mentioned were part of our early access program. So that's why we kind of saw what they were working on. So the real question will be when the next big project is after these launch, yeah. have launched that we see. So early days, but I can say that about, I mean, so far, I think over 20% of our customers in the course of the last couple of weeks have, have installed them and have started playing with them. So we're seeing good, strong adoption there, but yeah, it's, I'd say all the cool projects we've seen in our early access program are from some of our big partner agencies who we give access to the tools in advance so they can start playing with them. Yeah, that's awesome. I also noticed in the documentation a Next.js example as well of how to leverage this. So for folks who are looking to uh, kind of get their feet wet with Compose, definitely check out the docs. Uh, there is a great tutorial using Next.js that seems pretty fresh. I mean, the, the feature is pretty fresh itself, but... That's where I'm going to start, and I uh, hope other people will start as well there, because listeners love, at least on the Jamstack radio, love Next.js. Yeah. But yeah, we've actually around the bases quite a bit around Compose and Launch, as well as like what's happening Contentful. Anything else cool that's coming up or that's happened in the last three years? <laughs> in the last three years? is <laughs> a, a broad question. I, I can give you a quick rundown of the, of the things that we shipped between three years ago when Reuven and I were around and, and today. Um, so the thing that I'm personally most excited about is probably that we had GraphQL support for a while. But yeah. last year it went into the free community edition, which means that really everybody can now jump onto the GraphQL hipster train and start querying the data as they please. I'm still amazed by the tool chain that GraphQL provides and that you don't need to install kind of an SDK or anything. Um, any HTTP client will do. So I'm still amazed by that. Another thing that happened over the last few years is that when I entered Contentful, basically Markdown was a first-class citizen. And I think along the way, especially in the in the jams, the M is not really Markdown or Markup anymore, right? Yeah. So, but people <laughs> rebranding on the word, <laughs> it's more, it's basically everything. But uh, a lot of people figure out that Markdown has a few shortcomings, especially when we're building complex data-driven things. Yeah. Uh, so Contentful also released a rich text format, which is a pretty close to what you see is what you get editor, but it structures all the content in JSON so that you can reference different things and maybe embed videos, which you can, for example, not do in Markdown um, without hags around all these kind of things. Then for larger scale projects, uh, we released environments and aliases, which we, what we've seen is that a lot of companies or developers that run a lot of content in production, at some point you have the need to change your content structures. And that becomes a little bit of a hairy situation. Um, so in code, it's easy. You branch out, you do a pull request, you review the whole thing. Yeah. But how do you do this when you're dealing with an headless API? It's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. So what, what we what release there is environments. So you can branch out, do your changes, test it with your apps or with the sites that you're building. Yeah. And then we have this idea of aliases, which means that you have a master point, which is your production stuff, but then you can switch things off or over 
um, after you say, oh yeah, yeah, it's actually working. So you can play around, yeah. deploy your changes, switch to a different thing, flip everything around to not have a downtime or some issues on the way. So that's something that we're playing around, especially with the DevRel team, to how do we do CI, CD pipelines? How do you make that as seamless as possible? So it's, it's actually beautiful when you branch out and circle CI, changes your content, flips the switch, and you deploy all that stuff. So that's pretty nice. Yeah, and uh, lastly, the only thing that we can mention is uh, that we released um, the app framework, which Paul already plugged, yeah. which is a way to extend and make content full, pretty much basically your own, which is pretty nice. Okay, yeah, that's an awesome rundown. You're like, <laughs> hats off to you. You're doing your job as, as DevRel. Bam, 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 bam. It's almost like you just came out of a conference. <laughs> I haven't been at a conference for ages, man. You and me both. Yeah, yeah, conferences. Remember that? Oh, man. Well, just to add a cherry on top of that, the cake, you can tell I speak in analogies a lot. I apologize for that. We've grown to a clip where we're now doing, uh, I want to say, a billion API calls a day because we're across the threshold of clocking in at like 25 billion a, a month. So we're doing, the traffic is getting pretty crazy. And I think adding GraphQL to all of our accounts, not just our enterprise accounts, as Stefan mentioned, but now to our developer community accounts has really pushed up that activity. So it's exciting. It's wild times over here. Yeah, that is amazing. And I, I don't mind your analogies. Uh, you had me at gummy bears when you're <laughs> talking about <laughs> the different composing. Well, that's a specifically German thing with Haribo, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's a heritage I'm working my way into now that I've been in Germany for a couple of years with three kids. <laughs> wow, that's a, that is amazing. So have you picked up the language since you've been out there? Or is everybody speaking English to you? So that was the challenge was that I'm not uh, culturally motivated as I should be because everyone here speaks English. So yes, I'm a bad global citizen, but thanks for bringing that up where it's being recorded. No, I, I did. So I have taken a couple classes because Contentful does offer free classes, but they were during lunch, which we don't do anymore. So those classes have trailed off a little bit. And then we had another baby girl. So she unfortunately wrecked all of my chances of doing anything extracurricular for a little bit. Well, um, so, but all of my kids speak German because they're now in school here. So they're my translators, and it's amazing to see um, how quickly they picked it up. So there's some small... That is awesome. Yeah. Well, that's pretty awesome that Contentful offers the classes. Hopefully, we can get back to that you know, sometime. We talk about the before times. I can't wait until the after times, and we can talk about conferences, events, and uh, you know, go grab a beer together again. Hopefully coming soon. Yeah, seriously. Yes. <laughs> well... Paul and Stefan, thanks for chatting about Contentful, catching me up with all the stuff I've missed out on because I haven't really, I should probably subscribe to the RSS and uh, keep updated with the changelog. But with that, I want to transition us to picks. These are jam picks. Could be movie, food, technology related. Nothing's off limits. Um, so feel free to tell us what you're jamming about. But looks like y'all have already prepared. So Stefan, do you want to go first and share your picks? Yeah, uh, related to the Jamstack, I rebuilt uh, last year my site with Eleventy, uh, which is uh, the new cool kit for the pure static site builders. And I'm still uh, enjoying it. Um, so if anyone hasn't played around with it, uh, my own site runs on it. I'm super happy because it's pure and I don't have to deal with all this usual JavaScript complexity that we deal with every day. Yeah. Um, so that's beautiful. And uh, a second pick is just like uh, my, my colleague, Sama. So I'm trying to be a cool kid and jump onto the mechanical keyboard 
train. I failed once already. I went for the moon lander, which is this fancy, fancy thing. <laughs> yes. Too tough to type. I had to give up because I was also worried that I cannot type on my Mac anymore. But I now switched to the Mistel Barocco. Uh, my colleague Salma recommended that and it's beautiful. Uh, my hands are a little bit tired right now, but it's a split keyboard, normal layout, and it's nice. I feel very good. And having your hands not that close to each other feels refreshing after 15 years of really? typing. Just this, 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 this split makes it very, very comfortable. So I can highly recommend. I, I'm typing like this now. Probably <laughs> you don't see that. So probably 50 centimeters between my hands. It's super nice. Yeah, I'll definitely drop a link in the show notes. So it's wireless too as well. Like, have you seen any performance issues of having a wireless keyboard? I have the cable version. Oh, you have the cable version? Okay, I just pulled it up and it had wireless. But yeah, that's always my concern is having wireless anything is um, typing and then, oh man, that's... Uh, I share that. Yeah, go for the cable. Uh, I, I will do. Actually, I'm, I'm going to drop this in my Amazon wish list and think about it for a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Paul, you have uh, some picks for us? Yeah, I was the one I ran across just this week actually was, as I had alluded to earlier in the show, I spent a lot of time doing webinars and demos and less of the, the podcast format. And so what I found was if I'm on WebEx or Zoom or, or any of these other things, they all have different screen annotation tools. And so I found a new one. Well, I didn't find one of my colleagues recommended to me a tool called ScreenBrush. And what ScreenBrush is, is basically just an app. It's an annotation app that sits on top of your screen and then just gives you the same set of annotation tools for whatever medium you're in. So if you're in a WebEx or a Zoom or a whatever the internet throws at you, um, you can use the same set of annotation tools. And, you know, like the Zoom ones are super challenging because when you're trying to draw things, they don't go away. And so you like, you know, 10 minutes into the meeting, your screen looks like you're, you know, you unleash the children on it. And so, you know, this one gives you settings like how quickly things fade out or fade in and you can pick a color. So it's always the same brand color if you're into that kind of thing. And just makes it, if you're someone who likes to draw on screen or annotate in screen, like I do, it was helpful not have to learn annotation tools for each of the different vendors. I just always pull this one up. It's a keyboard shortcut to pop it open or pop it closed. And I can just run from there. So I can, I can draw on all your faces the same way every time. <laughs> nice. Excellent. I, I love this because uh, I've been doing a lot of live coding on Twitch and I never know what to pull up to like highlight and talk about the thing I'm talking about to like emphasize it. And I've tried other tools, I've tried to do integrations and stuff like that, but I'm just not very consistent. I don't wanna I don't wanna build a thing and then like not take care of it or maintain it. So I'm very shy of building my own stuff at the moment unless I have a domain for it. If I have a domain I will go off to the races. <laughs> <laughs> Closing the loop here like a boss. Not too bad, Brian. <laughs> I will definitely check this out because I, I think this would actually solve some problems for me. But speaking of live coding, I do have a pick. And it's actually who you just mentioned, Stefan, uh, Salma, who goes by White Panther on Twitch and YouTube and everywhere else. Y'all got a great get. You just hired Salma like a couple months ago or whatnot. And they have been killing it for the past year doing live coding. I've been watching watching them for like the past, I say year, like we're in the 2021, but like, you know, full uh, fiscal year of COVID. She does a good show. She does an excellent yeah. show. And I, the only thing, my only wish is that she did it later in the day, <laughs> later in the evening for her, because it's always so... <laughs> I would tell her that. It's always so early. I've, I actually told her to her uh, on stream before. It's, it's just so early for me. But yeah, she's based in, um, I think the UK? Manchester. Manchester, yeah. Yeah, so her streams are a bit early for me, so I do try to catch them. But the one pick I do want to have is her YouTube channel, who, which she just started shipping 
YouTube videos from the stream, which is something I've been sort of trying to get DevRel folks to do. If you're going to live code, like repurpose the content as much as you can. I used to do a lot of talks from stage and make those in the blog posts. Yeah, I do the same thing with live coding. I take the live coding, make it into a YouTube video, edit it. Don't just give me the same thing, unfiltered, three-hour content. But uh, yeah, I think she's been doing a really good job. And uh, she only just started getting started on it. So I just wanted to shout her out. Everybody go follow uh, White Panther on Twitch and YouTube, please. And then sign up for Contentful and start using some of these tools as well. Cool. Cool. So that rounds up the conversation. Thanks again for the picks. I definitely cannot wait to check out this stuff. And uh, listeners, keep spreading the jam. That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders. 